Hello and welcome to the AMA Update video and podcast. Today we're checking in with friend of the show, Dr. Peter Hotez, the Dean of the National School of Tropical Medicine at Baylor College of Medicine and co-director of the Texas Children's Hospital Center for Vaccine Development in Houston. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Dr. Hotez, welcome back. It's great to see you. It's great to see you, Todd. It's been a little bit, but I'm happy to see you. It has uh, been six months and a lot has changed, but unfortunately, one thing hasn't changed, which is the level of anti-science aggression that we've seen grow over the last few years. And in the, I can't believe I know someone this is happening to, file, uh, you recently had a very public run with this kind of aggression when Joe Rogan challenged you to debate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. about the safety of vaccines on his show and offered a startling $100,000 charitable donation for that appearance. And then thanks to a pylon via Twitter, that amount quickly grew to $2 million and prompted online harassment, death threats, and even physical stalking. So before we get into the details, I just wanna ask, how are you doing? Um, I hope these threats have subsided. Yeah, do, doing okay. You know, um, you know. Actually, this actually began um, a few days before. Mo- many people don't realize it. I, I liken the start of this to Steve Bannon, of all people, publicly uh, announced on on his social media feed that I was a criminal, which uh, I thought was kind of a, a kind of interesting, given given the source. And um, and I think that may have started this whole wave because it seems like a pretty coordinated wave with people from people with political uh, motivations and and so then uh on the, the rogan podcast rfk jr started going after me saying the usual nonsense that I'm tied to the pharma companies and pfizer you know totally tone deaf or, or deliberately misleading because, in fact, as we've been talking throughout the pandemic, we've developed at Texas Children's Hospital in Baylor, a low-cost COVID vaccine technology that was licensed with no patent to uh, vaccine producers in India and Indonesia. More, uh, more than 100 pe- million people, 100 million people received our COVID vaccine technology at the lowest possible cost, 2 to $3 a dose, no patent, minimizing strings attached. So we actually provided an alternative model that said you don't need to be a multinational pharma company to do this. So if anything, we helped maybe keep even kept some of the big companies out of some of their biggest markets. So it's just the opposite. But that's just an inconvenient truth for these guys. And so um, and then and then came the pylon. Elon Musk, of all people, started uh, trying to discredit me and then Roger Stone waited so it was really quite a, a den of thieves and and the problem is you know when when that type of attack is launched it's not the first time that happened if you remember Todd we spoke about a year beforehand it was actually on the day I was co-nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize um, that evening Tucker Carlson launched a, a rant against me and, and that set off a similar wave of progression so when these guys they know what they're doing actually when they when they lob grenades, they know the, the hordes will follow. And and um, and so it's been these unremitting attacks, you know, with very much far-right extremist leanings to it. So it's it's not been fun. You know, you know I've already um, have built a really good relationship with the Houston Police Department, the Texas Medical Center Police, the FBI, the Anti-Defamation League. It's, you know, out of necessity. So 
and they quickly rallied and 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 helped out but it's 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 you know unfortunately it's part of the new normal of standing up to this anti-vaccine anti-science aggression it's become what started out uh with phony baloney around autism um, and that's how i got involved because i'd written the book vaccines did not cause rachel's autism which made me a public target has now become more or less a political movement with a lot of far-right extremist leanings and and that's what I'm going up against. And so that helps people to understand why Steve Bannon would be targeting. These are people I've never met, Steve Bannon or, or Roger Stone and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, so it's um, we can talk about some of their potential motivations, mm-hmm. but that's what we're dealing with. Uh, it's still it's still pretty rough out there. And but, you know, I can't tell you how grateful that I am to you and to the American Medical Association, to the AMA for your support throughout the pandemic on, on a number of fronts, including this. And so AMA has been really one of the good guys through all of this. And, and that's deeply meaningful to me. Now, you ultimately decided not to engage in this debate. You've had a lot of support from the news media and from the scientific community for that decision. Was this a hard decision for you? Um, is it something you would ever even consider doing or being, think about it as being worth doing? Well, not, not in this particular instance, and, and there's two reasons for that. I think one, um, as I often like to say, science is not something typically that we work through a debate mechanism, right? I mean, what do we do in science? We write our we write our papers, submit them to journals like the Journal of the American Medical Association, JAMA, and it gets peer-reviewed, sometimes rejected. Um, request for major revisions. And and so that's our currency. We work through scientifically peer-reviewed papers and, and also meetings, again, like the AMA meeting, right, where that's, that's why we have it. So biomedical scientists like myself can present in front of critical audiences and sometimes favorable, sometimes critical. So you can go back to your lab and, and fix potential problems. So there is there is a way of doing it. It's not typically done through debate. As I like to say, you debate 18th century Enlightenment philosophy, and 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 talk about Rousseau versus versus Bishop Berkeley versus Hume, or you debate politics. But science, we don't typically debate. So that's it's a general rule. Maybe there's there's some exceptions. We don't typically debate science. And then there's the particular problem of RFK Jr., who I've tangled with for for years, um, um, with a number of phone calls at the request of the U.S. National Institutes of Health to try to make him understand why vaccines do not cause autism. That was his original assertion. It And those calls were an exercise in frustration because he would continually move the goalposts on what his beef about vaccines was. First, it was you know claims that was the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine that was causing autism, then thimerosal preservative. And every time the scientific community would debunk that, then it, then it would through large studies that were very expensive often funded by U.S. taxpayers. And then um, there were claims that we were spacing vaccines too close together, aliment vaccines. So it became this kind of exhausting repertoire of whack-a-mole where you would knock it down and come up with something else. And Or it was the HPV vaccine for cervical cancer and other cancers. He said caused infertility or autoimmunity and people have glommed onto that and copy-pasted that onto COVID-19 vaccines, which is true. Or uh, they cause something called chronic illness. So I, you know, and and I knew that what would happen if I, quote, were to debate him or have a public discussion with him, it would just be this endless string of false assertions about vaccines that I'd always be one behind, you know, debunking. And um, 
and I'm sure he'd come up with with something new. And and because he's not committed to the truth about vaccines, he has he has another uh, agenda. So I, I didn't see this. If I felt it was going to advance the science or advance the field, I re, you know, regardless of the money, I, I would have I would have done it. But I, I I think you know talking with someone like RFK around vaccines in public actually sets the field back and. And I was pleased to see that the New York Times agreed and the LA Times agreed. And and uh, and so that was a number of other um, USA Today, you know, came to my defense. So that so that was and then I and then people you would never expect in a, in a million years. Uh, Mark Cuban uh, was very supportive on Twitter. And then Mark Hamill uh, from Star Wars. Uh, I have Luke Skywalker. I have Luke Skywalker behind me. So, you know, how. You know, I mean, so I got that going for me. So They're two very good marks to have on and, your side. And, uh, and Captain Sulu from Star Trek, uh, George Takai came to support me. So well, that was very sweet and very kind. So, um, uh, but, but I think the bigger message is this is a new normal, right? I mean, you're seeing these attacks on, on physicians, on healthcare providers, on biomedical scientists, you're seeing this play out right now, um, you know, with these phony house hearings around COVID origin. That well, they're real hearings, but they're they're based on a disproven uh, premise that there was some sort of conspiracy to make the COVID virus, and that and that was never the case. And so, how we deal with this, you know, attacks, these politically motivated attacks, I think is, I don't think anybody has the answer. Um, and the health sector, you know, in many ways, doesn't really know what to do because it's it's they are politically motivated attacks. So the solution is a political, going to have to be a political solution at at, at some level. And and then there are other things going on as well. Um, you know, you know, when you talk to people from the political realm, it's interesting what they tell me. They they basically said, look, part of this is Dr. Fauci is no longer um, uh, uh, paid for by the U.S. taxpayers, no longer a public employee, doesn't have the same visibility. They need new boogeymen to target, and maybe you're one of those, Peter, and, and that's not fun, right? But that may be part of it. Um, the other is, you know, the politics that uh, RFK Jr. is a third-party candidate, has the ability to take votes away from uh, President Biden in the upcoming election, and so maybe that's that's what's going on there. They needed me to help prop them up and I didn't go along with that but but again I, now I'm out of my lane at this point and uh, and, I, and 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 so I don't, I don't know the basis of it all but but it is it's a very scary time for for medicine and for science in, in America and, and thank goodness for the AMA that's all I'll leave it at that well, you recently resurfaced an op-ed that you wrote for the New York Times back in 2017 before the pandemic and it was called how the anti-vaxxers are winning. And now, uh, kind of in retrospect, that seems even more relevant today than it was when it was originally published. Uh, I know there's, their arguments are the same. How have we seen the anti-vaxxers tactics change and become more harmful over time? Well, it's, it's grown in size and scope. And it, it started out with small non-governmental groups making false claims around autism and and in some cases, those groups were monetizing the internet, um, you know, selling phony autism cures or nutritional supplements. And in fact, um, the Center for Countering Digital Hate, 
it's amazing we have to have something called the Center for Countering Digital Hate says that uh, uh, these organizations are making millions of dollars monetizing the internet. And that's still around, but but I think what you're seeing now is version 2.0, and it started around this concept of health freedom or medical freedom. And maybe it's because individuals like me were debunking the phony autism claims and it was working and they needed a new thing. And the new thing was to attach themselves to um, this concept of health freedom, medical freedom. They started getting PAC money, political action committee money here in Texas. And so it's become uh, first and foremost a political movement, and 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 it's really taken off during this time of COVID nineteen, and and with deadly consequences. And ultimately, this is why we need to care about it. Because I have a new book coming out in September. It's called "The Deadly Rise of Anti Science," and it basically says that two hundred thousand Americans needlessly perished because they refused a COVID vaccine. Um, during our terrible Delta wave here in Texas in the southern United States and the BA1 and towards the last half of 2021 and the BA1 Omicron wave in early 22, way after vaccines became widely available, you know, 200,000 Americans needlessly perished because they refused a COVID vaccine. So that this anti-science, and they were victims basically of this kind of anti-science aggression. So this anti-science movement is a dangerous political force, but we don't frame it in that context. Too often we toss it off as something called misinformation or infodemic as though it's just some random junk on the internet when in fact it's organized, it's well-financed, and it's politically motivated. Now it's a killing force. And, and that's why we need to care about it is because if we're healthcare providers or biomedical scientists, you know, it used to be enough just to want to save lives. And now an added burden is now trying to figure out a way to combat the anti-vaccine, anti-science aggression because it has become such a killing. Medicine doesn't stand still, and at the AMA, neither do we. AMA members are physicians like you who are shaping the future of medicine. Become a member today and join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine. Now, again, you're, you have referred to kind of the political underpinnings of this, and I think one of the things you've said is to expect it to get worse as we get closer to the election. Uh, it's already kind of bad. You've got, you know, people like you talked about kind of weighing into this. You've got Elon Musk, even like Jack Dorsey getting involved. You've got harassment, you know, right outside your home. There's a lot of anger here. I mean, in all of the kind of exploration and interactions you have, do you have an understanding of where that comes from? Yeah, I think, well, part of it is, you know, by my calling out, you know, by naming names and, and groups that, that actually cause so many Americans to convince them not to get a COVID vaccine and lose their lives. I think what you're seeing is kind of a doubling down. So, you know, rather than use that as a pause for self-reflection, what they're doing is I think they've decided that the best defense is a good offense and what they're basically saying is uh, it was not the COVID that killed Americans it was the COVID vaccines and attempt to blame the scientists for creating the COVID virus so it's a way to revise history to change the narrative ahead of the 2024 election and I think I think that's part of it and I would imagine 
uh, I don't see this abating. It looks like the attacks are continuing to to step up, and unfortunately, I'm I'm in the middle of it, or in some cases, at, at the lead. Um, which again is why I'm so grateful for the AMA, and and why you know I'm especially grateful to receive your, your scientific achievement award. That that kind of endorsement or backing from the AMA was so important for me professionally, and. And it's a sign to say that we've got your back, Peter, and and other biomedical scientists. So um, uh, that that's that's why when Todd, when you give me the opportunity to talk to you in this kind of format, I always jump at the opportunity because it's, it's this is how you get the word out to to healthcare providers that and to physicians and physician scientists that you're not alone. Um, that that we know what's happening, and, and I think that's really important. Uh, I'm curious, with all the experience that you have and what you've gone through, what advice do you have for physicians that confront this kind of misinformation and anti-science aggression in their practices, in their hospitals, uh, although hopefully not getting uh, called out by Joe Rogan, so to speak, although we did have a physician here uh, a couple months ago that had uh, been through something similar. but. How do you advise them on when it's smart and how to engage or when to let that go? Well, there's the engagement in your day-to-day -day practice and then there's your engagement at the, at the public level. I think in your day-to-day -day practice, you know, now increasingly you have patients that are coming in or parents of patients if you're a pediatrician with some, with some pretty crazy ideas from stuff they've downloaded on the internet. And, and it's very frustrating and it's easy to get get upset or angry and but I think the way the way I recommend is recognize that these individuals themselves are victims they're they're victims they were targeted by by politically motivated actors and so to look upon them with some sympathy and empathy I think that that's as best you can do that I think that that can help in the in the discussion at the public level um, you know, it's such a minefield right now because especially on um, social media, what I do now is I have to, you know, if I'm on Twitter, I, I turn off my replies. T Twitter has become especially toxic. Uh, I haven't ventured into the new place yet, um, Threads, on, uh, sponsored by Instagram. Uh, I may give that a try it's, at some point. Um, but I think social media in general is, you know, it's it's just become a lot more toxic. So one of the things that I say is if you want to do public engagement, there are things beyond social media. I, I use social media as just one of several tools that I use to get people to understand what the anti-vaccine, anti-science movement is about, which is my piece of major piece of public engagement these days. And in my case, I'm writing single author books and doing interviews, podcast interviews, TV interviews, writing opinion pieces. So there are other ways to make a difference. And and in some ways, social media, I find is the least rewarding by far. I, I mean, I do it to help promote the kinds of things I'm trying to get out there, but it is uh, by far and away the most toxic and, and le least rewarding. I think the other issue that a lot of physicians and physician scientists face is the offices of communications of academic health centers are sort of behind the times and don't often understand what this is all about. And and they tend to have a different mindset. They, they don't, it's not, I mean, it's not that they don't care about social justice issues or combating anti-science. 
their first responsibility is to look after the institution and make sure the institution is not placed at risk. So their their priorities are somewhat different. So too often we get into this situation where scientists want to engage or physicians want to engage or speak out. And basically, you know, the, the message from the academic health center or the, health, or, the, or the hospital is, well, you know, you have some academic freedom, doc, dot, 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 but don't screw this up and place the institution at risk. Otherwise, there'll be consequences. And, and that has kind of the sort of, you're doing this feeling like you're doing this with the sort of Damocles over, over your head. And, and so that's problematic. So we need to have the leadership of our, our hospitals and academic health centers a little more in, in tune with the times and recognize that, that, that many physicians or healthcare providers are doing this to save lives because otherwise a vacuum's created and that whole vacuum fills up with the RFK juniors of the world or, or the um, Joe Rogans of the world that are putting out uh, health misinformation that's killing people. So, um, you, know, you know, touting ivermectin over vaccines, that kills people. Um, and, and has, you know, my estimate again is 200,000 Americans have perished because of this stuff. And so that if we are committed to saving lives, we're going to have to find a way to work around this, even if it does at some level create some exposure for the institution. And so we need, that would be a great topic, I think, at a future AMA summit or, or a conference, for instance, bring together some, you know, leaders of academic health centers with physicians who are speaking out and see what we can come up not as a debate but as a as a as a bona fide discussion of how we can start moving this forward because it's not going away it's it's getting more uh more toxic and 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 more uh dominant uh with with each passing week and, and they say it'll it'll exacerbate as we head closer to 2024 and after that who knows what happens i guess my last question then given what you've really just talked about. If we're in a situation where it's getting worse and you've got just the continuation of these kinds of conspiracy theories, and they're not fact-based. So if we can't fight this necessarily with facts, how do we fight it? Well, I think, you know, one is it's still important to put out good information. And, and, and the AMA is doing that, and a lot of physicians and physician scientists are are, are starting to do that. So uh, we, we that has to continue. I think the the problem is though that the the anti science um, or 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 toxic communication is still dominant, and that's what you're seeing when you if you go to Twitter. That's what you're seeing when you go to other social media platforms or these podcasters. And how we combat that, uh, you know, I think, again, goes beyond the health sector and into the political realm. And, and I, I, don't, I don't have an easy answer. Uh, I just know that it's, um, it's, it's becoming, um, this is probably one of the longest, I don't know the answer to your question answers I've given in a while. <laughs> um, but but it, it is dominant and it is, it is scary. And, and, it's, and, and in the past, it was annoying. In the past, it was um, it was taking away time from physicians' practice to deal with this nonsense. Now it's changed. Now people are dying because of it, and and that's when it really does spill over into our lane. So we're going to have to find a way to address it. Well, Dr. Hotez, as always, it's been such a pleasure to talk with you. I'm sorry for uh, what the last few months have, have brought, and appreciate you standing uh, strong in the face of that. 
Uh, we just really appreciate everything that you do, and we'll have you back uh, in the fall. We want to talk to you about a book uh, that you're writing that's coming out on September 19th called The Deadly Rise of Anti-Science that you mentioned. Um, until then, stay safe, be strong, and uh, we'll be back with another episode uh, shortly. So uh, in the meantime, you can find all our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Everybody out there, thanks for joining us. Please take care.